welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass and marching band. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director and musician from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, the lessons they've been given and the lessons that they give and how they're making an impact on their bands and communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the global band room. And now on with the show. Good evening, everybody in the Global Band Room group and on the Bands of Ireland page. Uh, my name is Keith Kelly, and I am delighted to, this evening to be joined by uh, two uh, friends of mine, Pete Meachin and Tom DeVorn, in a few moments. I, but just before that, I wanted to give a few updates on a few of the virtual band projects that any of the musicians involved in the group are uh, involved in and have been recording themselves for. Um, most prominently, the Polish Wind, uh, the Polish Virtual Wind Orchestra have their recording of Elena's Dance that many of us recorded ourselves for that's being released tomorrow. So out of all of these big projects that have been ongoing for many, many people, that's probably one of the first ones that has actually uh, come to fruition and is ready for release tomorrow. So uh, if you're not already following the page and a part of the Polish Wind Orchestra group, the Polish Virtual Wind Orchestra group, uh, head over to that and I'm sure we'll be sharing it on the Bands of Art page and on the Global Band Room page and so on then as well. So that's really exciting. Um, the audio for band, for the Ireland's Call project is finished. I've heard it. If um, And I know the video is almost finished. I think uh, Stephen uh, Mackin, who is going to get a medal for the work that he's done on this particular project, he's mixed over 890 videos for this um for this particular track and uh, it's gonna it, it sounds amazing it's gonna look amazing the choir is finished he's working on the band now at the moment so we're kind of having an imminent release of that now soon as well so uh, really looking forward to that and i have heard it it sounds fabulous and uh, looking forward to everyone else hearing it really soon now as well um lone star wind orchestra julie Giroux has written her river shannon piece and it's ready for us to all start recording very soon um if you're not following the Lone Star Wind Orchestra, head over to their Facebook page. They're about to uh, release the details and um, start registration for performers. They are going to release um, the recording of Stars and Stripes March on May 1st, and then the recording of Julie's piece, the River Shannon piece, will be uh, premiered on May 8th. So obviously they're going to start recording for that very soon if the premiere is May 8th, and we'll let you know more about that really soon. Um, for anyone that was on the the the... Uh, for anyone that was listening to the live stream on Friday, we had Rick Cook over from the Southern New Hampshire University, and they are starting to record the Candied Suite this week with lots of um, other chamber music projects going on then as well. Um, that's a little bit more in-depth. There's obviously recording a full suite rather than maybe a 90-second or four-minute piece. There's a little bit more to it, but they are helping by providing tuition, by providing masterclasses and um, various different uh, workshops on how to record yourself properly and so on then as well. So if you head over to the Sydney New Hampshire University page and uh, check out um, and, and email Rick, uh, you'll see his contact details there. Um, he'll get you signed up to the group and you can get recording for those projects. 
Um, the last one that I have for you this evening is uh, Conselmer run the Conselmer Institute every year, and they have some great work clinicians, workshops, masterclasses throughout the uh, weekend. It's it's normally a two day um, clinic, and obviously it's you know it's it's very hard for international band musicians to get to something like that. Very often it's very expensive to to buy your flights and your hotel room and so on. Uh, but given the year that's in it, they are going to be doing it all online this year. So if you're interested in attending something like that and doing um, some uh, masterclasses, workshops um, with some top people like Tim Latzenhauser and Richard Sosedo, um, the Conselmer Institute Connect is what they're calling it. It's on June 8th and 9th. And if you register before the end of April, the early bird rate for that is $129 for access over the two days. Um, that goes up to $159 in um, in May then. So you, if you register early, it's, it's you definitely get a deal on that. And I think there is a deal of another 20% for international visitors then as well, who normally wouldn't get the opportunity to do, to do this at all. So um, definitely aim towards college students, band directors, music administrators, that sort of thing. Um, but if you are a band musician, I think that uh, you might enjoy two days of listening to some of the top wind band people and brass band people in the world talking about their art form, um, it's definitely worth checking. So with all of that said and done um, and all of the, those updates given, um, bring on Pete and Tom. Hello. Hi. How are you? How are you, How are you keeping? After you, Tom. We're going to need to come up with some kind of decor here. Of okay. like speaks first. Pete's in the middle, <laughs> so Pete goes first. I think so. Maybe Pete, Pete, how are you keeping in Canada? I'm good. I'm in, um, I'm in Winnipeg, so we're pretty isolated to the east and to the west and the south is of course the us and the border shit so we're, we're not too too bad here we can still have quite a lot of um freedom and all the rest of it and uh really for a composer my life hasn't changed a huge amount because i'd spend most of the time at home in this office writing music and go out and walk the dogs and every day and that's pretty much my life right now just with my wife who's a band of music teacher in the room next door uh, well, you, you anticipated my first question, Pete, which, oh, okay. which was, have, has has your life changed much since uh, since all this kicked off? I mean, it's kind of the stereotype of a composer to be sitting at home and kind of writing and kind of living a life of solitude. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you've answered that first first question. <laughs> I'll try not to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay, Tom. Tom, how are you how are you keeping? Uh, you're you're in can so just. For anyone that doesn't know this already, um, obviously we have quite a few American guests that listen to the podcast and the live stream and so on. Um, uh, Pete's living in Canada, but he's an Englishman. I'm living in Ireland. I'm an Irishman. Uh, and Tom is living in Kansas, and he's a Welshman. There's a joke in there somewhere, isn't there? There is definitely a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I was trying to rack my brains all day to come up with one, but didn't get there. Well, things are things are good here. I'm I'm geographically I'm pretty sure more or less directly below Pete in in, in North America, so right in the centre. Again, um, my life hasn't really changed that much as a composer. 
um, trying my very, very best to stay stimulated. And it's nice to be able to, to go outside and enjoy the countryside here and, and stay fit. But as with most other places in the US, there is a lockdown enforced. So really, we're encouraged um, to just go out once a day to exercise if we need and then go out for essential things. Um, where my life has changed quite a lot is um, as well as writing music for band, which is something that I've done for, for, for about 10 years now, is um, I'm a student here in Kansas. Um, so I'm finishing my doctorate at the University of Kansas in wind conducting um, and I also do a little teaching here that's that's obviously changed quite a lot um, the way that um, we now have contact with with doctoral supervisors the way uh, we have to deliver our rehearsals and um, our, our lectures and our one-to-one -one teaching um, from both a student's perspective and a teacher's perspective has, has changed immeasurably mm -hmm. and with, with yourself Peter you are you at home composing most of the time or, or are you kind of involved with teaching or invo involved with various organizations how, how similar would your position be to, to, to Tom's I'm kind of um, somewhere in the middle I guess I, I teach at uh, University of Brandon which is uh, uh, about two and a half hours from here in Winnipeg but our, our school years um, for university actually finish uh, end of March early April so we were able to get Almost everything finished, and of course, composition teaching um, online is is whilst not optimal, it's also not not really um, a bad thing. We don't have to focus on tone quality or or anything like that, so we can right. we can we can have a, almost all the normal interactions um, online. The thing I guess I miss is that um, during April I I was going to be down in the states for for I think most part of the month. Uh, in various different places and so you miss out on all those kind of opportunities to uh, mm. make music with people and to um, meet people and to, to see friends and to do all the things that we we love doing uh, in this fantastic uh, world of ours uh, of music but you know we, we are where we are and um, what I think it's or what I hope it's doing is getting people to sort of start focusing on what they what music really does mean to them and looking for some sort of path out of this where we can see it as an opportunity to redefine um, music in people's lives because it's clear that people have turned to music a lot and if we can draw the line between what they're using music for and how music's affecting them and, and, and the, the role of music in their life uh, today if we can draw a line from that to the concert halls and other activities we do in band, in orchestra, in choir, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If we can do that, there's a, a, an opportunity as well. I don't know, that's quite a long answer to your question. I don't think it's that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, like, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of um, not only are we starting, it's, it's, the, it's the entire arts that all of a sudden is, we're finding new value in um, when, we're, when, when we found ourselves in a position where we have time in our hands and where we can connect with people face to face connecting to true to people through the arts as being um a real um lifesaver for people really um but what also what, what what else has become apparent is how important that sense of community is to artists then as well and that's what's really missing i mean thank god for social media in some in some respects um 
you know, it's a, there's, there's days I wake up and I mean, I'm pretty active on social media, as you can tell, but there's days I wake up and I don't want to look at a screen from one hour to the next. Um, but I don't know whether I will be personally have been able to get through, through, um, this without this whole crisis without social media, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. Tom, what about you? What about yourself? Well, I suppose maybe to go back a, a little step backwards, uh, obviously, an Englishman and a Welshman, both living in North America. Tom, what brought you over to Kansas? And then, Pete, I'll, I'll be turning to you to ask you the same question. Um, you know, you both studied well, and we're we're we're, we're doing um, great things in the UK, and then moved to North America. So, what brought you there? Well, I think both of our stories are um, romantic, even if in slightly different ways. Um, my story spans a few years. Um, I've been coming over here to the US. Um, for about seven or eight years now as a composer since I had my first um, uh, uh, wind band piece played here in the US. And that was actually directly connected to Pete. I've known Pete for like, I guess, around 15 years now. We've been friends. Uh, And believe it or not, around about sort of like late November time, um, early December time, I guess about five or seven, eight or nine years ago, um, I broke up with a girlfriend. So that happened, and Pete was the person that I that I called um, in absolute distress, um, and was a great friend as usual. And he ended up convincing me to to come to the Midwest Clinic in Chicago that I'd never been to before. Um, and yeah, from that trip, which was not planned, was just out of that single um, moment of, of of comforting friendship. Uh, my first U.S. performance ended up happening in Carnegie Hall, which was um, a euphonium piece that I'd written um, by a soloist called Jason Ham of the West West Point Band. The U.S. That's, not a, that's Band. not a bad place to have your first premiere in the U.S. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely. <laughs> this is why I make sure that I get the beer in for Pete at every single conference <laughs> I go to because he definitely teed that up well. Um, and that really started me coming to the U.S. Um, just through people hearing various pieces and meeting people in conversations. Um, and I happened to, through one of these projects, again, through a mutual friend of Pete's conductor in Canada called Darren Olaking, put together a consortium for a wind band work, which was based on the journey of Amelia Earhart. So we were talking about this piece in the bar in the Midwest one year. Uh, and it so happened there was a, a, a guy there called uh, Paul Popiel, who is the director of bands at the University of Kansas, where I now study, um, who said, well, why am I not involved in this piece? Because Amelia Earhart is from Kansas. So that's how I met Paul. We did the project together. Um, and I had a wonderful time visiting KU as a guest composer. Through all of this time, I was working in the UK at the University of, of Salford as a conductor and a teacher of conducting there. Um, and the opportunity came about for me to, to um, get a visa and come here and finish a doctorate in conducting at KU um, with Paul. So it, it just all seemed like it was was meant to be. And yeah, a, a marriage of music and friendships and coincidences is what's what's brought me here to 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 being in the U.S. as well as just working here. No, and and for for. Uh, I suppose just to give a little bit of a background as to how we we met was I had met you Tom at San Antonio in San Antonio this year at TMEA, and um, you mentioned that you were going for drinks in the, in the Crown Plaza, I think, and uh, that Pete would be there then as well. So I got to meet yourself and Pete on that night, and uh, I could tell straight away. The reason I mentioned that is I could tell straight away that how close 
friends you the two of you were. Um, and there is something about, you know, a, a, an Englishman, a Welshman, and an Irishman in a bar full of American people then as well. There's just a different, there's a different vibe all of a sudden. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was it was really clear how, how friendly and how, how, how much of a good relationship the two of you had. Pete, you have been a little bit longer in North America. Um, how many years are you there now? I think it's it'll be coming up for seven later in the year. For the first couple of years, um, I was visiting technically, although um, I was here most most of the year. Um, and then then I got my um, my residency permit, the equivalent to a U.S. green card, and so I think that's probably been five years. So I think seven years in, in pretty much in in total. So, um, what 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 was it? What 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 was it that brought you to Canada? So you were you you were visiting back up, back and forward. What what brought you there initially for those brief visits, and then what made you made the make make the decision to to move there? Uh, I I met my now wife. Oh, and <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, she's Canadian, um, and at the time lived in Saskatchewan. So uh, we met each other, and you know the the, the lucky thing about being a composer is that you can do your job pretty much anywhere so i uh, so we we chatted and and i ended up i mean she's a, a band teacher and a music teacher so the situation in the uk for for a music teacher isn't so great right now and of course there's nothing like band in the uk so mm. it was made i I'd, I'd head over there and we'd see how it uh see how it went and she hasn't kicked me out yet so that's <laughs> so, so good <laughs> and tell me, look, um, what what's band like in Canada? It seems to be somewhere halfway between the way it is in the UK and Ireland, and then maybe the way it is in the US. It doesn't seem to have quite the prominence prominence of the US in 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 terms of its involvement with schools, um, but but maybe isn't as community based as as it is in the UK and Ireland. Um, maybe maybe give me a little bit of of information about how it works there. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the the first thing to say that, like the U.S., Canada has lots of different systems and lots of different ways of of doing things because they're such vast um, countries. Canada is is absolutely enormous, but only has thirty five million people, and of course, the states has ten times that. Um, and when we talk about banning the state, it's easy to kind of think, I guess, of Texas with all their incredible um, systems and how that's all set up. Um, but we're not we're not really like that in most places. Um, there's of course funding struggles, but band is generally a classroom activity, like it would be in in the states. Um, and I guess some places are, uh, it's more serious or it's given more prominence than others. So here in um, Manitoba and, and in Winnipeg, especially. Um, like there's incredible standard of, of bands in high schools um, and and incredible uh, level of teaching in in junior high. So um, yeah, there's some there's some brilliant programs that stand very much amongst the best in in North America uh, here and over in Ontario, especially some very good programs in um, Alberta as well. Mm. And there's others dotted around the country. So it's not as prolific, but certainly there's bands to be found with incredibly high uh, standards and, and music is uh, and, and band is certainly part of education systems throughout Canada. Yeah. Um, do you think that you'll be there long term? Uh, I suppose that's really up to your, 
<laughs> your your, yeah. your wife maybe um but i suppose when you moved over there did you think that that was going to be the <laughs> I, I i touched nerve did i <laughs> no 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 i think well i mean i originally lived in saskatchewan for for three and a half years uh, originally in saskatoon which is a beautiful city in the north of saskatchewan and then in um regina the appropriately named regina um which really wasn't a place I enjoyed uh, living too much. But then we moved to Winnipeg, which is just such an incredible city for, for, for music, for the arts in general, lots of support, absolutely love uh, living here. And if you told me I'd still be here in 25 years, I think I'd still be very happy for almost all of the year, apart from when it's minus 40 and snowing sideways. <laughs> right, yeah, I, think it, I think it helps that you've learned to make curry. That you've learned to make nice curry that's like a big yeah. a big thing that, that that was the one thing i really miss about the uk apart from family and friends yeah. you can't get it you need to be you need to make, make it yourself mm -hmm. to have it uh, like manchester specifications yes <laughs> a manchester curry <laughs> tom what about yourself i mean i know you haven't had as long to get settled into kansas but well how, how are you finding it do you see yourself being americanized do you see I, yourself I really do. Back to the rolling hills of Wales. That's well, we point. we obviously have this thing called called Hiriaith, which is like built. I don't know if it's built into Irish people too. Maybe it's a Celtic thing. It's a Welsh word, which is like a longing for home. Mm. That's something that I address through the music that I write. Typically, it's um, either personally symbolic or symbolic of Wales, Welsh um, traditions, Welsh culture, Welsh Welsh writing. So that's kind of how I get my taste of home. But um, I absolutely love it here. Um, KU is is about uh, 45 minutes west of Kansas City um, in the town of Lawrence. It's um, a, a lovely liberal bubble um, surrounded by beautiful prairies. Um, the the faculty is wonderful here. Um, the students are, are fantastic and engaged. Um, and actually, all of the, the collegiate wind ensembles, wind ensemble programs that are nearby at K-State um, and at UMKC are of a very high level. So it's a really stimulating place to be. Now, I, I loved my work at the University of Salford. I grew up in the brass band tradition, so I, I miss that to an extent. Um, but like Pete said earlier, one of the one of the the, the pleasures and joys of our, our job is that we get to get to travel, and it never really feels like a like a job. Really, we get to sit at home, listening to music, researching music, writing music, which is something that that um, that we love, and then share it with people. So. Certainly, that's a way I can stay in touch with my my brass band roots. Um, but I'm thoroughly enjoying immersing myself in um, the uh, the the American collegiate wind ensemble culture, which is something that we don't really have um, in Europe. And certainly, my goal is to is to make this my my home for the foreseeable future. Yeah, there's some there's some rare oasis of 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 high class collegiate wind ensemble like rncm and, and places like that but really to have the opportunity to work with those groups on a regular basis have your music performed um and to to test out work i'm sure is something that you just wouldn't have as regular of an opportunity in the, in the uk certainly certainly in ireland and um, both of you come from the brass band background is that right i'm, I'm pretty sure pete you came from that brass band background too uh, sort of i I, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't grow up with brass band, um, but I, I I played in wind bands growing up um, okay. uh, on on double bass, and um, once I got to the the 
having um, uh, to study, you know, I'd kind of come down from the, you have these amazing studios on the top floor with no windows. <laughs> You'd sort of be in there all day, not know whether it was day or night or anything. <laughs> but they're up there writing music and you come down um, come down the stairs. And for, for those who've never been to the RNC and to the Royal Northern Culture Music in Manchester, um, it actually has a um, a bar in the in the um, sort of student area that you can go and, and in, I don't know what the case is now, but when I was there, it was certainly cheaper to drink there as a student than it was as a, a punter coming to watch one of the concerts. And so you'd go and a lot of students kind of gravitated there, obviously, because it was fairly cheap to have a beer. And I'd get back just at the same time as, um, uh, you know, so many of my friends who played in the brass bands who'd been off at the bands in Grimethorpe and in Fairy uh, Band and Foden's Band and Black Dyke Band. Um, and all these bands, they'd come back and they'd all have a few drinks together after rehearsal. And so you get chatting to, um, especially Euphonian players who were just desperately uh, wanting new repertoire all the time. And I've always had a keen interest in, in, in the Euphonium. So, um, so I'd start writing for Euphoniums quite a lot. And then Shuba players would like pieces. And then there's kind of a, a natural um, progression in, into brass bands. Um, and I was very lucky that um, just a year or two after leaving college, I was the first, I was appointed the first ever young composer in residence with Black Dyke Brass Band, which was um, an incredible experience because they really um, are a professional ensemble in terms of playing standard and in terms of the way they are um, set up. And just having that sort of safety net as a young composer, sort of as a, as a title, kind of gave them a little bit of a safety net so that if the piece wasn't maybe, you know, um, uh, of the highest quality, it was from someone who was young and learning, and equally it gave me a, a little bit of a safety net that they'd play my music, um, but, you know, you maybe wouldn't be faced with the same level of scrutiny that a more experienced composer would be. Uh, during, your, during your time at Black Dyke, did you have the chance to, to work or, or uh, rub shoulders with um, the pride and joy of Cork here in Ireland, uh, Gary Curtin, the euphonium player from uh, Black Dyke? Well, he's not with Black Dyke anymore. I think he's with Foden's, is it? He, he, he is. I know Gary very, very well. We used to yeah. live just a few doors down from each other in, in Manchester. And in fact, we used to play squash together maybe five or six times a week. And uh, I used to enjoy regularly kicking his ass. <laughs> well, I'll make sure that he hears it. No, I just I can't I can't have you talk about euphonium and black dyke and not and being Irishman and not mention uh, that we're that we're incredibly proud of uh, being able to call him one of our own here. Um, I, I regularly when I when I go over to the US and um, they're talking about you know maybe a, you know meet a euphonium player and I hear him from Ireland they'll ask me do I know Gary Kurt? <laughs> you know, he's he's a bit of a celebrity. <laughs> he's, he's amazing and he's he the. The great thing about Gary is that he, he grew up in a slightly different tradition, and so he came over as um, a little bit more of a, uh, a, a show player. Like some of the stuff he could do was just absolutely incredible. I mean, and he could do anything. You know, he can play mm -hmm. a melody as beautiful as anyone, and, and his technique was just astonishing. And he, he was just such a wonderful player, but he just had like an extra. Um, Bit of magic about him so he made a, an impression really very quick yeah yeah great guy no we're, we're, we're hoping to get him back over to ireland to perform with the Irish symphonic wind orchestra at some point um and tom you you, you grew up to, in the brass band tradition is that right 
I did. That's what right. Was, yeah. was I, well, I used to play tuba. So E-flat, E-flat bass and B-flat bass, and I started in my, my local town band. Um, and I started pretty late, actually. Um, uh, I didn't start playing the, the, the tuba until I was 14, 15 years old, but I took to it wow. pretty quick. Um, and and had I you played anything right. before that time? Uh, do you, had you had just, a musical just, background? Just, just, just piano. My parents forced me to have piano lessons, which I <laughs> begrudged greatly at the time. And now I massively regret not taking them more, more seriously, as I feel so limited. Even when I'm sitting down to sketch and write now, I wish I had greater facility um but but yeah it was just out of a desire to be part of something which is i guess um something that drives the core of my reasons for writing and my reasons for for conducting now um the school had a, had a small wind band which i loved playing in friends played in our, our local brass band which happened to be a championship section brass band in Burryport. and from there i went to the royal welsh college of music for a few years um, where I was a member of bands like Flowers and what were then the Bias Review Band, now called the Corey Band. Um, and I transitioned from there to, to writing and conducting pretty quickly. Um, forced, actually. I, I had um, action dystonia when I, was, when I was 21, I think, so I can't play anymore. Uh, okay. So writing and conducting was kind of an obvious way for me to stay in touch with the, with the brass band community. I don't know whether you've come across um, the um, Patrick Burns, the New Jersey composer. Um, Patrick actually has a very similar story, being a being a top class clarinet player, playing, uh, doing Broadway shows, and uh, having a having an issue with his hand that forced him into um, a, a career in, in composing. And I think probably in your case and and in Patrick's case, I think the, the the band world is is very glad that you were forced into making that decision. I first became aware of your work, Tom. Um, with Return to the White City that we played with the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra then. And that was originally co- commissioned by the RAF for the London Olympics. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I've been I've been fortunate again um, through through just friendships in the world of music to be associated with the Royal Air Force for a number of years now in the UK. Um, uh, while I was at music college, I used to live with somebody who would become their principal trombone. Uh, and as Pete said, um, we frequently write music for our friends. I happened to write him a trombone solo, which um, he, he really, really loved. The trombonist is called Jonathan Pippin. Um, and yeah, it's one of my fondest writing memories, actually, living in a house with him, him, him having trombones out all over the place, uh, noodling whenever he'd go in to make a cup of tea or watch the telly. Um, and he'd just come back into the room where I was composing and asked for things that are more technically demanding or more lyrical. And that was really my first introduction to collaborative composing. Um, and I guess I'm fortunate that since since then, I think that was in about 2008. Um, since then, my relationship with the Royal Air Force in the UK has been really good, and they've come back and asked for a for a for a new piece or a new project, kind of every two years, which is which has been really good. I mean, they're they're an amazing band as well, and like one of one of the finest bands in the UK. Um, and it, like I, I, I can, both of you have both both kind of said that you know it's those interactions in the barn or NCM or living with your mate and and getting to getting to know him and working with him. And um, I think you know I used to live I, I was in the Irish Defence Forces bands here and used to live with the guys as well, you know. And um, but I think <laughs> we we spend our time writing eighties inspired electronica music. Um, which didn't go anywhere for us, so we would have been far, far better off. Yeah, well, I lived with a guy that owned a DeLorean, so um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, he did introduce me to David Sanborn, and that that inspired my life of smooth jazz playing. Uh, so, 
um, yeah, it's it's funny how those those interactions of p- different people that you live with can can change how how you um how you how your career <laughs> ends up going. Um, so look, we're um we're all on lockdown for a little bit longer. Um, I mean, certainly, if, even if we do get back to normal in the in the next month or two, um, bands don't look like they're going to be back to normal anytime soon. What both of you? I mean, Pete, maybe more so than than than, than Tom, um, have, have established a career of of this regular working on your own, um, similar to what what we were saying at the beginning of the of the conversation. Have you got any tips for any of us that are finding ourselves in a position where where we're used to going to work on a daily basis and then maybe having our bands in the evening time, or we're used to going to um, our, our te- to teach during the day? Um, how do we establish a pattern of productivity during our day? Um, because you guys are both forced into that position on a regular basis to try to be productive. And I still fail. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, look, these are unique circumstances and we probably need to think a little bit about what things are going to look like when we go back to something approaching what we once thought wasn't normal, but will be the new normal. Um, and just, um, just starting to look at what, I think I said earlier about what music means and where you think it is in society. And we can, we can I, I, sometimes I wonder if we spend too much time doing music, the practical thing about music, rather than thinking about music and, and about, you know, the little things that we need to do, the, the, what it means to us and how we impact others with it. It's dead easy when, when you do it day in, day out to kind of separate yourself from the real impact of what we do. And so for me, like, actually, because I was going to be away for all of April, I've just spent a lot of time just kind of rethinking through everything that I kind of understand about music and what it is. Um, the, and the why I do it is still exactly the same and, and everything, but, but I just kind of feel that we have even more purpose now than, than ever before. And so working out how you're going to hopefully take that places and, and, and sell that to people who maybe aren't involved in what we do, you know, who maybe aren't involved in band, how do we go, um, and, and take, be evangelical about uh, our love of music, basically. So I'm doing a lot of sort of thinking about those sort of things, but the practical day-to-day stuff, I mean, I can't even, in some ways it's fortunate to be someone who usually works by themselves um, because you're kind of a bit more, uh, you're more adapted to the situation, but I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are used to going in and working with to 300 people every single day to have that all of a sudden taken away that's um that's a significant um that's a significant thing to be missing out of your life all of a sudden and so i think like being conscious of not only missing all those people but what those people brought into your life all the music that they bought because music is such a huge part of our soul and we've got to be very very careful that that this huge hole doesn't start existing inside of us that we, we've got to make sure that we fill that with like the joy of music whatever that may look like maybe it's listening a lot more than we ever would have done 
um, to, to music we wouldn't have listened to before, or, or maybe it's meeting new people through things like this and just listening to people and, and it, and it has been an opportunity. I, I don't, I don't want it to, you know, I of course don't want this to be the new norm, but I think it teaches us all a little bit of a lesson about how these conversations are more important than maybe we ever gave them time for, you know? And, mm. uh, and so hopefully we get a chance to, to sort of, like I say, look at this and say, what do we want to build? moving forward from this because we've got to also be part of a support network for a lot of people both musicians and and non-musicians and thinking about all those folks who probably i mean i don't want to be a pessimist but it's difficult to see how there'll be a big marching band season you know right yeah i mean that's just seems completely um well, I mean, you're both UK. You're both UK-based people. You may have seen the DC UK Drum Corps UK just before we went on live. They they announced the cancellation of their season. Drum yeah. Corps International have already announced the cancellation of their season. And many of those drum corps are um, huge operations and may not survive into 2021. Um, and so, I mean, I, I I I think what you're saying about reflecting on on our on our position is, is is hugely important because the world the music world is is going to be organized in a very different way after all of this potentially and, and and a lot of those a lot of those and i'm thinking you know specifically i guess university kind of marching bands in the states where uh, you know 300 people or, or however many tom knows a lot more about this than me but uh, as do you and uh, but like there's 300 people who come together who aren't music majors who aren't necessarily even linked to the music department they're coming in from all over the university and this is like such a big powerful part of their life mm -hmm. all of a sudden isn't going to be there and it's been there every single year since they began playing through school and now into university so so we've got to work out how we we help everybody still be part of a, a musical experience even if it isn't one that we do together, you know. Mm -hmm. I know that these have you have you been part of any virtual band projects in any way? Has that been something that's crossed your path, your paths? And your Tom, you're nodding your head there. This is something that you've kind of had a, an involvement with. We're in the middle of one right now at the right. University of Kansas. Um, I think everything that Peter's just said is is on the money. By the way, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a great answer. Yeah. To to extend it, I think the key from what I've seen personally here in Kansas and my experiences with the people that, as Pete said, about the month of April and May, that's kind of our traveling months, the people that I'm supposed to have seen over over this time, um, is not feeling like we need to reinvent the wheel or or completely solve all of these problems immediately, you know, within, a, within an immediate amount of time. It's about taking gentle steps. For us at the university here, we're lucky that we have three um, fantastic full-time faculty members um, who understands that it's um, within ensemble performance anyway, it's the sense of community um, that is perhaps the most meaningful. So rather than place pressure on assessment and grading, um, wind band is still a class here at our wind ensemble, symphonic band and university band level. Um, and in order to make that work, um, online spaces have been create, uh, curated so that uh, we can watch each other's previous performances throughout the year and then comment on a chat group. Um, online spaces have been created on Zoom where we can bring in guest 
um, speakers to just ask questions and socialize. I did one yesterday for um, um, the University of Indiana Low Bra Studio. Um, these are the fantastic things that are happen. I think as time goes on, this will, will, will gently build, as Pete says, into the new normal, but it's all about taking time. Um, I've completely distracted myself from what my original question was now about marching band. Well, well, well no, but, but just to, yeah, I mean, to, 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 to go further on what you're saying, I, I mean, I, I do think you're right. I think the virtual band projects that are out there, mm. some of them are doing great work. Um, yes. There's some really good virtual band projects out there now at the moment. And I kind of make it part of what I do with this global band room to kind of highlight a lot of them, particularly the ones that are opening themselves up to all comers. I know there's a lot of virtual band projects that are just for the students of a particular band or, or college. But um, I think the ones that I've seen and I've been, paying a lot of attention to a lot of them. I've been recording myself for a lot of them. The ones that have been most successful have been the ones that have, um, just as both of you have pointed out, have been about creating a, a sense of community. And now it's a it's a forced sense of community in some respects because it's like a Facebook group or it's a Zoom meeting or it's, you know, it's still not a, a real human touch community. But it does create, it, 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 it replaces something that's missing. That's why we call this podcast and the group the Global Band Room, because it's the band room that people are missing uh, a lot of the time. It's that interaction with each other. Um, and I know certainly with the Bands of Ireland project, with the Ireland's Call project, a lot of people were posting videos of themselves practicing um, and then giving each other feedback or help, helping each other to record it properly with, with, with equipment in, the, in their houses. And I think that was probably the, the, the best outcome that we had from our, our our virtual band project was that sense of community that we built and and it's still going. I mean, the, the, the deadline for that project was three weeks ago and the, that, that group is still really active with people sharing ideas and so on in there. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. It's, it's, it's building a sense of community through Zoom meetings and guest speakers and um, and then, yeah, of course, recording and, and producing something at the end of that is, is important too, but yeah, um, yeah, that's it's great. Um, look, I really appreciate the two of you um, coming along and, and having a chat. I forgot to ask you both. Uh, I did ask you both to get a drink for tonight. Would you, what are you drinking? It's three in the afternoon here, so I have a glass of chocolate milk. Yeah, <laughs> well, listen, I'm on a cup of tea because we haven't been able to get to the shops and buy any beer. Oh, man. <laughs> But uh, no, it's been, it's been great having you, and I, there was some really um, great conversation there. Some great great things to reflect on, and um, yeah, I hope I hope you're both keeping well and keeping safe. Yeah, well, I, I, I managed to get my hair cut for this. Tom clearly hasn't. I thought that was that was that was interesting. Tom. I'm responsibly socially distancing, and I don't have a wife to cut my hair for me. So my wife did, my, <laughs> all went horribly wrong in the middle and, and stopped the clip to stop working and all sorts and then it was too short it's a, been a bit of a nightmare but you know what of all the problems in the world right now i don't think that's uh, <laughs> that's not one of them that we uh, really care too much about you know I, I just want to say like we should be optimistic because it's dead easy to be pessimistic about this mm -hmm. realism tells us that things are going to change but you know what sometimes the strongest survive that's that's what happens and if and if we believe and we work and we're diligent and we're articulate and we understand everything that we can do i see an amazing uh, future and an amazing opportunity for what it is that we do 
I don't know how it happens, and it and it's such a wide, huge world of music that I don't know how we we do it at this minute. But thankfully, there's lots smarter people than me in the world. But um, the phrase "never waste a crisis" kind of uh, feels right at this moment. You know that we can let's let's re um, reimagine what it is that we want, what we do to look like, rather than staying in the same groove that we were before which was already we know in in any kind of classical band whole music world was already struggling because we weren't we weren't doing enough to 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 reach out and so this is this is an opportunity and and uh, i feel positive about that opportunity for sure well, look, I mean, I, I don't think there's a better way that we could end this interview. And um, and it's it's it, it's a global answer, too, because no matter where you are in the world, whether you're in the British Isles or Canada or the US or anywhere else, um, I think that that goes to to um, I think that's that speaks to everybody. Um, guys, you've both been very insightful and very thoughtful and I suppose more more thinking about how we how we approach approach the situation and how we reflect on the situation, I think, and I think that's really important. And, and I think I, I certainly got a lot out of the conversation tonight. So thank you for that, um, guys. Where can we find out? Or where can people find out if they haven't heard any of your work, or um, if they'd like to find out more about, about about what you do? Where can they find out about you, Tom? Where can where can people go and find out more about your work? Well, I have my own website, which is um, all the dubs tomdevoren.co.uk. Um, but also just the same thing that I do when I'm researching programs as a conductor, YouTube is my best friend. So as I do for many composers, just pump, pump my name into YouTube and I'm sure something will come up. <laughs> what about you, Pete? That's a dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> um, uh, you, you can go to my website, which is uh, meekandmusic.com, and you can find out what's there or, I guess, Google my name and maybe go to the first selection. I'm sure it gets worse as it goes down, like Tom will find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I think you're much safer to go to, directly to the website than Google in anyone's name, I think. That's <laughs> 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 the general rule of Tom. There's an N on the end, Mikun, Mikun, Mikun. Yeah, a lot of people call. I, I I often hear you being called Pete Meacham. Is that is that a regular mistake people make? I get Meachin and and Meekin. It is Meekin, but I never Meekin. correct. I never correct anyone. A because, um, like it's a perfectly easy mistake to make because it does read Meachin, and uh, and B the amount of conversations I've had where someone's introduced me. Oh, this is Pete Meekin, the composer, and we're talking and we're talking and we're talking that. Then all of a sudden they go, oh, you're Pete Meachin. Oh, yeah, we played your piece. <laughs> like, sure. I can, you know what? If you're buying my music or you're listening, I can be whoever you need me to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to rack my brains now to see whether I did that in San Antonio or not, and I, prob I probably did. Well, listen, thanks so much, guys. Um, please keep safe. I know you have a, a, a quite a bit of the day ahead of you at this point, but, but stay safe, stay well, and uh, hopefully we'll see you all very soon. Thank you, thanks Pete. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> So again, a big thank you to Tom and to Pete for joining me on the live stream last night and then on the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the work that they do, you can head over to our website, uh, bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also go to our Facebook page and Instagram page at the global band room as well. 
please uh, keep on enjoying and downloading the podcasts. Let your friends and family and band buddies know about it. We have some really interesting people coming up over the coming weeks and months. And uh, if you have any news or projects that you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, you can contact me at keep at bandsofireland.com. So keep practicing, keep listening, and we'll see you in the band room tomorrow.